Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise God. I uh, had the privilege to preach in Lights for Christ Sunday night and Brother Wayne's absence there. I'm so thankful for what God is doing in that town and and that work there, I believe God is doing things, a lot of things that we just don't see yet. And uh, some things that that's uh, hidden, hadn't been revealed. But God is working, I can tell you that. If you would, join me in the book of Acts, chapter 2. Um, I want to give honor to my pastor and sister Boyd. I'm, uh, I'm so thankful for them and their, min- their ministry and... Uh, the way they just shepherd us and lead us and take care of us. I am preaching under his authority. I've said that before. I'll say it again. I am preaching under his authority. And by that, that's the only reason I'm preaching under the authority of the Lord. Amen. Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 29. And the Bible reads, Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David that he is both dead and buried and in his sepulcher is and his sepulcher is with us unto this day therefore being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his loins according to the flesh he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne he seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ that his soul was not left in hell neither his flesh did see corruption This Jesus hath God raised up whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which you now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith unto himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? My title tonight is What Shall We Do? Let's pray, Lord, hallelujah. Thank you for the presence in here already, God, but we need some more direction from you tonight, God. Direct me in this message, Lord. Help me to deliver it, Lord, and help us to receive it, God. We love you, Lord, and we can't do this without you, nor would we want to, God. We need thee, Lord. We need thee. We love you. Hallelujah. Why don't you clap your hands one more time? You may be seated. What shall we do? 
Every human being born since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden was born a sinner and is in need of salvation. We were all born of the seed of the serpent. The prophecy in Genesis 3.15 talks about two seeds, the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. We are all before Christ born of the seed of the serpent. That's who we were born. And we all need to be reborn to be born of the seed of the woman. And Peter tells us plainly, leaving no mystery by whom and how we should be saved. In Acts 2.38, he says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the new covenant promise right there. Contrary to popular belief, Pentecost doesn't come from experience. Pentecost comes from a revelation. It was not the demonstration of the Holy Ghost that brought revival to the early church, although it piqued their interest and their curiosity. It was, however, the revelation of Jesus Christ that pricked their hearts. It's not our experience that will save us. It's our obedience to the Word. It wasn't a revelation of holiness that Peter discovered or a revelation of worship. It was a revelation that Jesus was God. The Old Testament is a model or a schoolmaster. It's a shadow. In Revelations 12, and woman says that a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet. What they're saying here, she was clothed with the New Testament, the New Covenant, and standing on the Old Testament, the law. The Old Testament is progressively bringing us to the book of Acts. And it contains many, many illustrations and shadows and figures for the plan of salvation in the book of Acts. Like the Israelites' deliverance from the bondage of Egypt is our, is a, represents our bondage of sin today. The blood of the Passover lamb, the water and the Red Sea, the pillar, of the, the pillar of cloud. This was all a model of Acts 2.38. The blood on the doorpost that wasn't enough to save them. They were still in Egypt. They were still under the jurisdiction of Pharaoh. They then had to leave and pass through the Red Sea and then into the pillar of cloud. And then they were saved. Then their past was destroyed. There's a need for salvation. We need the Holy Ghost. It's the only way to commune with God. There's no such thing as me and Jesus have our own thing going. If that was true, then there would be no covenant. I'm here to tell you right now, the only prayer that God hears from a sinner is a prayer of repentance. That's it. I'm telling you what the Word says. If it wasn't true, then there wouldn't be a covenant. But there is a covenant. Hallelujah. In 1 Corinthians 10, the Israelites, it says, were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. The altar and the tabernacle was also a model of repentance. That we must die at the altar and turn from our wicked ways. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. Not only do we need salvation, we can't earn salvation. We are only saved by grace through faith. We can't do enough. You can't give enough. You can't love enough. 
You can't work enough. It's a gift from God. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ made this gift of salvation free and available to all mankind. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. Jesus died on a cross and shed his blood for our sins on a hill called Calvary. And only the blood of the lamb, the lamb that was brought to the slaughter and a sheep dumb before her shears and his soul was made an offering for sin. And he was bruised, despised, and rejected of men. He was a man of sorrows and yet we esteemed him not. He was smitten, stricken, afflicted, wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. We have all gone astray and have, and have everyone turned to his own way. But the Lord hath laid our iniquities on him, so it's only through him are we saved. Hallelujah. An angel tells Joseph to name Mary's baby Jesus, and, he shall, and she shall bring forth the son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. God became flesh and dwelt among us and died on Calvary's hill for our sins. Matthew's gospel writes that all this was done in fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Luke says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, amen. Don't you, ain't you glad that he died for our sins? Hallelujah, clap your hands with me. Once one by, somebody wrote this and I quote, he said, in the strictest sense of the word, it was only in an act of paternity and not before that Jehovah became father. Procreation requires that half the genetic material be from the mother and half by the Father. Now, we can't comprehend how this happened, really. We can't really wrap our little earthly minds around how this happened, that half the genetic material was supplied by God, and because God, in the act of paternity, supplied the genetic material, the Father indwells Jesus. If the incarnation means anything, it means that the life of Jesus is the life of God. Just like the ark that dwelled in the wilderness with Moses for God to dwell in, this same God indwells in the man, Christ Jesus, and he's the I am that I am. When the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary, something divine took place. God's new dwelling place took up a new residence and a new address in a tiny embryo inside of Mary's womb. The one who rules the cosmos is now living as a fetus. And the Bible says he was preached unto the Gentiles, seen of angels. Yes, this God became flesh and lived as a child, nursed by a virgin. He became human so we could be saved through him, he had to become us so we could be a part of him, so we could be adopted by him, so we could become the seed of the woman through his blood that is shed for us on Calvary. John says at the Last Supper, now I tell you before it come, that when it is come to pass, you may believe that I am he. You may believe I am. I am he that liveth. I am he that is alive, kneeling on the floor. 
the God who spoke the worlds into existence, the one who told the waters to separate from dry land and separated light from darkness, who spoke to Moses face to face, who brought Israel out with a high hand out of Egypt, who told Moses to build an ark out of gopher wood, who created all things by the word of his mouth. This God, the Alpha and Omega God, the first and the last God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that God that parted the Red Sea, that destroyed the world by a flood, that destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, is now kneeling on the floor washing his disciples' feet. What a God. Hallelujah. I think that just kills the deal, kills the idea or the pride spirit that might rise up and say, I don't think I want to do that. I think I'm too good for washing feet. Well, let me tell you, your creator did. He robed himself in flesh, knelt on a floor, and washed their feet. So if he can do it, I think Larry Newbern can do it. Hallelujah. We ought to clap our hands to that. Praise God. God manifested himself in form of Jesus Christ to live as a man and is the only man that didn't deserve to die and was without sin. His death became an atonement by which God can pardon our sins without violating his holiness. Jesus became the substitute. He's the one that told, told him, just take Barabbas. Let Barabbas go free. I'll take his place. He's the one that took our place on the cross. Hallelujah. That's why there's no saving outside of Jesus Christ. None. John chapter 3 records a conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to Jesus one night and, and acknowledged him as a teacher from God. And Jesus said, well, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now Nicodemus couldn't wrap his mind around this and asked the Lord, how, how can this thing be? I mean, what do you mean? Can a man be born a second time into his mother's womb? And Jesus answered, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus was speaking, of course, about a future kingdom. He was talking about the day of Pentecost when a new day and a new age in which the kingdom of God would be revealed to everyone who wanted to be saved. Acts chapter 1, Jesus gave his disciples last minute instructions before he ascended into the heaven. He told them to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. And This is where 120 disciples went in and gathered in an upper room for seven days. And Acts 2 records that on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost came, they were having a Jewish feast day. And there were many gathered around and they witnessed a supernatural sound that was coming from this upper room where men and women were speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Who, and Peter, who was among the eleven, he began to explain to the multitude what was happening here. He said, you men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, that this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Peter began to preach about Jesus. He preached that Jesus of Nazareth, whom they crucified, was both Lord and Christ, 
And they got the revelation right there. That's when they got the revelation who Jesus was. The crowd heard this conviction of sin hit them, fell on them, and because some of them were there when they crucified Jesus. They were there and they, they, they asked, they seen the Roman soldiers drive spikes in his hands and his feet. They were there when they, when they pierced his side with a sword and seen the water and blood flow from his side and they cast lots for his garments and they watched as, they, they, as the skies became dark and the veil in the temple was ripped in twain as the dead came out of the graves and walked in the town. They felt so pricked in their heart that they asked Peter, what shall we do? How can we be a part of this thing? We want to get on this deal. We want some of this. How can we do this? And he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. But listen, we can shout about that and we do, but listen, it doesn't stop there. Because if it stopped in verse 38, I wouldn't be here preaching this message. I wouldn't be here holding the mic because it's the next verse, verse 39, that gives you and I this same promise. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. <laughs> I'm so glad for verse 39. I'm really thankful for verse 38, but it wouldn't mean nothing to me or you if it wasn't for verse 39. Hallelujah. God is a merciful God, and he's mindful of us. This was the first sermon preached in the New Testament church after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We hear about the jailer who asked this same question, what must I do to be saved? Now, hear me. Many theologians believe he's not, that he wasn't asking this question in the same sense, in the same way. He was more or less probably asking them how could he really be physically saved. Just bear with me. Paul and Silas prayed and sang songs and suddenly there was an earthquake that shook the prison and opened the doors and the jailer realized what had happened. And he assumed they all escaped and that he would be faced with the death penalty for allowing this to happen. I mean, it fell on his watch for not keeping watch over them. And he, so he decides to commit suicide. He draws out his sword and Paul shouted, Hey, do thyself no harm for we are all here. And the Bible says that he came trembling and fell down at their feet because he must have knew that they had something to do with this miraculous earthquake. He had to know. He brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The jailer took them down that same hour and washed their stripes. He, like the Jews now, on the day of Pentecost, probably didn't understand repentance and remission of sins. And they certainly didn't understand the Holy Ghost. So this was a crisis situation for Paul and Silas for again, this man probably didn't have no idea and that probably wasn't the way he was asking how to be saved. He was probably asking how to be saved from the authorities outside. So this was an a, a emergency, if you will. Uh, and they had no time for a long sermon. So they seen an opening here and they stepped in it. They had no time for an altar call. And so Paul and Silas just decided to preach to him in the simplest way they could and preach Jesus to him. The jailer brought them down to his home and they preached to his whole house. They didn't take them through a long Bible study. 
They, did, they just preached Jesus to him. And as a, as, as a result, the, the jailer was saved and his whole house filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. When Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he was describing his plan of salvation. Jesus was trying to motivate Nicodemus to believe in his mission that would take place on the day of Pentecost. When Peter gives a direct answer to a question about salvation, and since all the Jews were acquainted with their religious concepts and terminology, Peter was able to give them a precise answer to a single question. And Paul and Silas, on the other hand, was talking to a jailer, a Roman soldier, that knew little and probably nothing about God. He just attempted suicide. He just experienced an earthquake. And he just experienced a supernatural. And they answered his question in a way that he could understand. We have to get on their level. You can't just always pick up the King James Version and walk in there and beat them up with the these and thous. And not this generation, you can't. They don't know who God is. Most of them don't know who God is. You have to get on their level and preach where they are. You got to get on their front porch. You got to get in their living room and preach Jesus to them. Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch took the Bible where he was reading in, in Isaiah 53 and preached Jesus to him. We have to start where they are and we have to use language that they can understand and explain this gospel message to them. Take time to explain it to them and preach Jesus. There's so many among us that is so unchurched. They don't understand why we do this. They don't understand why we do that. They don't, don't, why we don't go there and we don't go here. Why we're so radical in our praise and worship and our, in our, in our prayer and our preaching. Hallelujah. We got to stop trying to turn them into Christians before we get them to the altar. Amen. We got to quit trying to do that. We got to get them to the altar. Preach Jesus to them and let God be God. He, after all, he is the creator. Hallelujah, I think he's capable of doing that. If we can just get him to the altar, he can take it from there. He don't need us to try to clean him up. He just needs us to get him here to the altar. He can take care of that. Let God be God. He created the worlds by the word of his mouth. Jesus is coming. He's coming. He's, we need to get ready because he's coming to pour out his spirit in this last day revival. And we need to be ready we need to be ready for this. We need to be, we need to have some book of Acts Phillips, some, some radical apostolic saints. Philip brought the gospel message to the Samaritans and the Bible says he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus. Jesus gave Peter the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He gave him power to open the kingdom of God to the world through preaching. Peter had the message that the world that would offer the world uh, salvation to a world that was dying. And he gave us power. God gave us power to bind and loose things in earth and in heaven. The power to preach salvation to others. What message did Peter use? Acts 2.38. That's the only message in the Bible that you'll find salvation. I'm closing. Hell is not after our worship. Hell is not after our revelation of who hell is after our revelation of who Jesus is. He's not after our worship. Many people worship. He's not after that. He don't care about that. The adversary is after our sing is not after our singing or our programs. He's after our truth. That's what he's after. You go open up a Jesus name 
church in a town, what happens? Brother Wayne, we know what happens, don't we? They don't like that. They don't like that. Because if he can remove the belt of truth, everything else will fall apart on its own. We are living in a dying world that's lost and facing the devil's hell without this Acts 2.38 message. But Acts 2.39, I said early, I'll say again, that's where this thing gets bigger and bigger. Acts records the promise spreading from Jerusalem to Samaria and to Judea and then to the house of Cornelius. And then all the way to the Gentiles, this message turns the world upside down. This is not just for the church of Acts. This is for you and I. This is for everyone. This is for the children that are far off. This is for all of us. Why don't we stand? I believe I'm ready for the rapture. You know, if it took place right now, I believe I could. I would make it. I, I believe I would. If I died tonight, I believe I'm ready to meet Jesus. But I'm just going to be honest with you. I'd still feel a lot better if there was no such word as lost. That would make me feel a lot better. But I'm sorry to tell you tonight, that word lost is just as effective and real as ever before. Nothing has changed, no modern inventions, nothing can change the word lost. We don't know what God will do in the judgment. We read about it, but we really really can't understand what's going to happen there. And I wouldn't preach this as doctrine or gospel, but some say the lost souls can see us, brother fears. And if that were true, can you see them now? And anywhere else they're preaching tonight in this truth. Their main focus is on that service, on this service. They would be centered on it. Many hands reaching for this altar, grabbing for this altar right now, screaming for one last chance to come and pray. They're yelling, preacher, don't let them leave without coming to the altar. Stop them from leaving, preacher. Beg them, plead with them. Don't worry about the clock. Just get them to the altar. And I'm talking to saints too. We must always make sure we're ready. God could take us at any time. Our rapture could happen in the next few minutes. Just you. It could be a car wreck. It could be anything. Are you ready? I mean, could we stand before God right now? Is there any iniquity in your heart? Is there any unforgiveness in your heart? Because the Bible says you can't... You, sir... You, you can't come in here. You've got a jealous spirit on you. Depart. You've got a pride spirit on you. Depart. That's what the Bible says. That's pretty serious. He's talking to saints now. That's pretty serious. I read in the gospel sometimes and it just scares me. That, I wonder, my Lord is, I mean, really? It says, be ye perfect for your fathers. Perfect. Be you be like him. Be you holy, for he is holy. If you have all to against your brother, don't even bother getting on your knees. I can't hear you. Man, that's serious. So I'm not just preaching to lost souls that, that uh, maybe haven't been born again. I'm preaching to saints. We need to make sure when we get up in the morning that our heart is right. Oh, because that could be the day that the Lord calls you home. 
Are you okay with God? Are you okay with your brothers and sisters here? Are you okay with your pastor? Huh? You, you, you had any all against your pastor? Mm. Anybody. Jesus is coming back. He's coming like a thief in the night. In the twinkling of an eye, you need to get ready. Get your house in order. If there's anything in your heart, you need to get rid of it. We all need to make sure we're ready at any moment to get rid of, get rid of this bondage of brokenness. Whatever's dealing with you, stirring in your spirit, that's keeping you from getting your blessings, you need to come get that right tonight at this altar. So I invite you to come down here and seek the Lord while he may be found. Why don't we gather around? Let's worship the Lord and praise him. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.